afternoon. What a joy it is to be here to worship with one another at the service of installation for Reverend Micah Tank. We are so pleased and privileged to be able to be here to represent Robert Gonell Presbytery and installing Micah at Scottsboro. At this time, would you please stand and join with me in our call to worship? We are here because God has called us to follow him. We are here because we have encountered Jesus Christ and we will never leave his God has called each of us to a different task in the church. But God has called each of us to himself. We are us pray. Lord God, we praise your holy name. We call out to you here from this, your sanctuary, asking for your blessing upon this relationship between Micah and this congregation. During this hour of worship, Lord, may we hear your voice. May we be strengthened by your words, and may we be drawn close to your heart. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to share with you um, a children's book. I'm an elementary school teacher by trade, so I find it appropriate um, that my reading is um, a children's book. It is titled, The Wonderful Things You Will Be, and it is written by Emily Winfield Martin. When I look at you and you look at me, I wonder what wonderful things you will be. When you are too small to tell me hello, I knew you were someone I wanted to know. For all of your tininess couldn't disguise a heart so enormous and wild and wise. This is the first time there's ever been a you. So I wonder for what wonderful things you will do. Will you stand up for good by saving the day? Or play a song only you know how to play? Will you tell a story that only you know? Will you learn what it means to help things grow? Will you learn how to fly to find the best view or take care of things much smaller than you? I know you'll be kind and clever and bold. And the bigger your heart, the more it will hold. When the nights are black and the days are gray, you'll be brave and be bright so no shadows can stay then you will discover all there is to see and become anybody that you like to be. And then I'll look at you, and you'll look at me, and I'll love you, whoever you've grown up to be. Indeed, Micah and Helica Tank, you could have been on the stage telling a story and dance. You could have been a scientist. You could have been a seamstress. You could have been an optometrist. Yes, you even could have been an astronaut. (laughs) Oh, but the wonderful person that you have become is brave and bright for others who chases away their shadows. A wild and wonderful petite person with an enormous heart 
that makes cookies and cakes and crafts and paintings only to give them away to show God's love. You fly high to the best view of others, the way God sees them. You open the stage of life for others to discover all there is to see in God's world. You look at people and you see all the wonderful things they will be. I'm looking at you and you're looking at me and I love the person you've grown up to be. Amen. Will you stand and join us in singing The Solid Rock on page 517? no sin, the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, friends, let us pray together the confession that's in our bulletin. 
Lord, we confess that you have given us gifts for the service of your people. And we confess that we have not always used those gifts as you would like. As we install a new pastor to this church, renew your call to her, but also bring to our minds the way you call each of us to serve your church. Knit us together into your body, so that we may do the work that you've put before us. We pray this because we long to see your kingdom come and your will be done. Friends, anyone who is in Christ is a brand new creation. The old life is gone and the new life has come. Let us thank God for new beginnings and new journeys. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. And I invite you to share that peace with those sitting around you. Ha, ha, ha.
Good afternoon. Thanks to so many of you for coming back to join us a second time today. To all of you who traveled to be here, it is indeed an honor. And I thank you for the honor of getting to preach at my wife's installation. Uh, in this service, we recognize Micah's call to be installed as the pastor of Scottsboro Cumberland Presbyterian Church. We recognize the official relationship between her and this church. For those of you who are here that Sunday, we are finally defining the relationship. <laughs> I could not be more proud of her or more grateful to God for his call to ministry with her. Uh, but this is only sort of about her. It's only sort of about her pastoring her first church at 19 while a full-time student or spending more summers carrying the gospel to corners of the world than anything else, starting at 14. Uh, it's only sort of about the way she's made her life a living sacrifice for God's people, an imitation of the one who has saved her. It is about that, except that it's not. This moment is about the call that God has placed on your life. God calls all people to himself, and some accept this call. Some choose to become his followers. And from those some, a few are called by God to be leaders of his people. They are not called for their insights. They are not called for their oratorical power, although these gifts can be important for the work of a pastor. They are called according to the will of the Spirit of God. Many of us gathered here have been called to church leadership, whether pastors or session elders or Sunday school teachers. And more than anything, this call from the Spirit of God is a call to faithful imitation of the one who has called us. This is about God. So it is to God's word that we turn for inspiration. For those of you who didn't guess, Micah's name has a biblical origin, but not the prophetic book. It comes from a little corner of Second Kings or Second Chronicles. You can take your pick. And there we find Micah, M-I-C-A-I-A-H, Micah. Uh, you can imagine with the name spelled like that, Starbucks is always an adventure. <laughs> Except in Scottsboro, where Starbucks is never an adventure. Uh, what letters will be missing? What letters will have slipped in? To be honest with you, Micah and I frequently take bets. M-I-C-A-H is obviously pretty common, especially here in the biblically literate Bible Belt. M-I-C-A is pretty common as well. Sometimes there's an M-I-K. Occasionally someone slips in a Y, which is... Always just a little confusing. <laughs> I have yet to see someone get her name right on the first try or the second try. It usually looks like this. She spells it and they repeat it back. Not close. Let's try again. All right, maybe third try is the charm. Nope, let's just move on. <laughs> but the story of Micah, from which you take your name, holds insight for us today. It comes as the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, and the king of Judah, Ahad, are preparing to go to war. They have already agreed to work together to reclaim the land of Ramoth-Gilead, but Jehoshaphat first wants to inquire after a word from the Lord. They do so, and 400 prophets tell the king to go for it because the Lord will give them victory. For some reason, Jehoshaphat isn't satisfied. He asks for another opinion. And we enter the story with Ahad's reply. Hear now the word of God from 1 Kings 22. 
The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is still one other by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micah, M-I-C-A-I-A-H, son of Imlah, but I hate him, for he never prophesies anything favorable about me, but only disaster. (laughs) Jehoshaphat said, Let the king not say such a thing. Then the king of Israel summoned an officer and said, Bring quickly Micah, son of Imlah. The messenger who had gone to summon Micah said to him, Look, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your words be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. But Micah said, As the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. When he had come to the king, the king said to him, Micah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall we refrain? He answered him, Go up in triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. But the king said to him, How many times must I make you swear to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Then Micah said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, Yeah. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each one go home in peace. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy anything favorable about me, but only disaster? Then Micah said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the host of heaven, standing beside him to the right and to the left of him. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab so that he may go up at Ramoth Gilead? Then one said one thing and another said another, until a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord, saying, I will entice him. How? the Lord asked him. He replied, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Then the Lord said, You are to entice him, and you shall succeed. Go and out and do it. So you see, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these your prophets. The Lord has decreed disaster for you. Is it comforting or demoralizing to realize how little changes in the world? This story has someone seeking a word from God. More specifically, this story has someone seeking a word from God that they want to hear. <clears throat> Two powerful men want to go to war. They want to take back a piece of land that belonged to Judah. And one of them has the good sense to ask God if it's a good idea. And the other agrees. And they consult 400 prophets. And all of them tell him, God is definitely going to go with you. You're going to win. Which makes sense. It's the answer we expect from this story. This is a story about Israel's king taking back what rightly belongs to God's people, land that they had stolen from them, except that it's not. It's a story about God. Just because the battle is righteous does not mean God wants you to fight it. It does not mean you will win. God chooses our battles. And these 400 prophets find themselves in a classic pastoral situation, Someone approaches you to fulfill a pastoral function. Will you bless my marriage? Will you bury my parents? Watch my children preach a sermon? Tell me I'm going to win in battle. Sometimes they are not actually hoping for a word from God. They are hoping for the word that they want to hear. Everything is okay. Good job. Your kids are not at all misbehaved. Everything you're doing is perfect. You will definitely win in battle. It is easy to make a name as such a pastor. Telling people what they want to hear is easy. 
Maybe they want you to drum up fear. Maybe they want you to demonize those guys. Maybe they want you to forgive them for not following God well or to jump on a particular political bandwagon. People will tend to like you for telling them what they want to hear. It's easy to capitulate to such reductive rhetoric, which is why the culture tries to fit us into categories of liberal or conservative or traditional or progressive or contemporary. And when we listen to those categories of our culture instead of God, something terrible happens. Did you catch what the Spirit of God said to God? I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Whose prophets? His prophets. Not God's prophets. They are the king's prophets. This group of prophets responsible for being God's mouthpiece to God's people had come to pledge their allegiance to the king. They had taken a cause besides God's. They thought this was the king's story. And they were deceived. It's not the king's story, it's God's story. So these prophets tell the king what the king wants to hear, but Jehoshaphat isn't convinced. So they get a second opinion, one other who is not so popular with the corrupt Ahad. I hate him, for he never prophesies anything favorable about me, but only disaster. They send for Micah. And as Micah is being hurried to the king, the servant escorting him leans over and says, Look, the words of the prophets are of one accord favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. Stupid, stupid. He had clearly never met a Micah before. (laughs) You see, I think your parents were inspired when they chose your name. They had a sense of the path God was laying before your feet. The servant should have known that you can't get off that easy, not because Micah's, and I'm speaking of you both in the plural now, are filled with a sense of self-righteousness. It is not because they are too important to capitulate to what others want or expect. That's not it. The issue the servant has run into is that Micah, and this is true for you as well, will not be intimidated by the preceding words of 400 prophets or 4,000 prophets. Micah will not be intimidated by the expectations of a king. Micah will not be intimidated because Micah has seen the Lord. Micah will not let the king's words be put into his mouth because God has already put words into his mouth. Those prophets were deceived above all by forgetting to listen to God first. They propagated a lie in God's name. And this is an easy accusation to hurl across the aisle at theological adversaries, and I think it often lands in our own backyards. We are sinful beings and we live in a sinful world. It is easy to be deceived. So always listen to God more than you speak. This is hard to do. It is hard to do because it means dying so that God can live in us. God will continue to use our passions, our gifts, and interests for the good of his church, but we've lost our agendas. I have seen this in you. You do it when you won't let a sermon rest until it says what God wants it to say, which is especially obnoxious on Friday evenings. You do this when you keep listening and pushing and wrestling to find what God is planning for this church. As church leaders, this is part of our call. We are to be God's voice, not just to speak on his behalf, but first to listen to what God has to say. To quote Paul in the book of Colossians, you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When he is revealed, 
then you also will be revealed in his glory, because this is God's story. The prophets are deceived. They want to live. They want to be cozy with the king. So they stop dying to themselves, and they start living to Ahad. Then they call Micah in and tell him not to ruin the fun, and Micah's line is awesome, so hear it again. As the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. That's my charge to you today. Courtesy of your namesake, it is a charge for all of us, but I think it is a charge especially for you. As the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. This is your call. To listen to our Lord and speak the word that he gives you in a way that this congregation can hear. To do this, you must stay planted in the relationship that led you to confess your faith those many years ago. Continue to fall more and more in love with God. Remind your spirit every day that he lives. Dance for his glory. Love him more than anything. Seek the refining fire of his grace. Continue to run to him in prayer until the path is so familiar that you run down it without intention in your sleep and in your doubt. It is this grounding that lets us hear God. So listen in prayer and in silence and in secret. Listen as you study the scriptures. Listen as you seek out the poor and defenseless, the heartbroken and the downtrodden. Listen for the word that God wants you to speak. And then speak. I saw her do that with a little boy named Shane at the last church we were at. Everyone thought he was too squirrely, fidgety, no attention span. He ran around like a windmill on wheels. And instead of trying to sit him down, you listened for the word that God had to him. You scrounged the internet for hours every night for activities that might bring the gospel alive for him. You even chased him to his basketball game so that he might see the love of God lived out in your flesh. And when you left, that boy who was too shy to read out loud, who begged not to go to church, who didn't understand why God mattered, begged to go to Sunday school, asked his mom to teach him about the Bible, and competed to see who could sing, Our God is an awesome God, louder. And then through him, God touched his brother and then his mother. God had a word for that little boy, a word about God's love, and you listened and then you proclaimed it. As the Lord lives, you spoke what the Lord said to you. You've spoken God's words to families at times of death. You've held people's hands as their friends and spouses and family pass away. You listened to their guilt over feeling relief, to their doubts, to their sadness. And then you've proclaimed the word God spoke to you, words of comfort and words of resurrection. I have watched men and women decades older than you come to you. And as you profess your insufficiency... You travel with them down that path you have run so many times into the presence of God. And words too wise for your years, insight deeper than your experience, care larger than your heart comes from you. But don't be discouraged by God's call to speak truth. Something speaking prophetically is to condemn, to point out wrongdoing, to point a finger and say, uh, you messed up. But God's word is only bad news to those trying to build their own kingdoms. To little girls missing two buttons on their blouse, giving away hard-shell black bean tacos. To boys who spin like windmills on wheels. 
to those in times of grief, those who have been downtrodden, those who need assurance. The word of God is life. Today, Micah is being installed as the pastor of this church. If you were uh, hoping she would help you build your own kingdom, you've made a huge mistake. (laughs) Fortunately for you, it's too late to go back. (laughs) But if you're hoping for someone to pray with you, to serve beside you, to be an advocate in this community, to honestly seek after the will of God for your life, for your family's life, for the life of this church, I honestly do not believe you could have found anyone better. She is committing, becoming the pastor of this church, and if you don't know her, I'll tell you what she's committing to. She's committing to spending more time praying for you and those you love than you can imagine. She will be at your hospital beds. She will love on your children. Above all, she will do her best, and I mean literally run herself into the ground, trying to draw you and this church and those you love into the presence of God. Because she knows God wants to speak to this church, to fill it with the Spirit of God until hearts are transformed by his presence and driven to acts of compassion and selfless love. God wants to speak to our families until they are rooted in the power of the cross to forgive sins. And God wants to speak to us again and again and again, the path becoming more and more familiar, our sins falling further and further away because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Don't forget, this wasn't the king's story. This isn't our story, and this isn't your story. If you read this story in 2 Kings to its conclusion, Micah doesn't return. It's his last line. He speaks the word he was given, and he goes his way. And this is the pastor's call, to enter a church's life for a time, to speak the word that God gives, and one day to leave. One day to walk off the stage that was never hers, but always belonged to God. One day to join that wall of past pastors. Because it is God that remains. You have been gifted for this purpose. So preach, teach, continue to die to yourself so that Christ might live in this world. Kings may hate you, but those who are wise, they will listen. Because I know this to be true, as the Lord lives, God is giving you a word to speak. So speak. Amen. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Lord God, I thank you for this day, for the call that you have put on Micah's life, for the call that you placed uh, on this church to bring her here. And I thank you for the plans that you have for all of us, plans to grow your kingdom, plans to prosper your people, plans, Lord, that only you know. God, give us the humility to listen before we speak. And give us the trust, the trust to follow your spirit wherever it leads. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I would like to invite... uh, the commission for installation forward to proceed with this service.
It is an honor to be here on behalf of Robert Donnell Presbytery and to be the commission who is here to formally install Micah as your pastor. And there are different parts of this process through our Presbytery's rules and regulations and doing everything decently and in order, good Presbyterians that we are, we're each going to have our own role. So um, we'll start with Reverend Philip Spurk and um, her questions for Micah. You want to go ahead and stand up? I don't tell you to wear waterproof mascara to these things. No, sorry about that. Well, I brought um, props for my portion of the installation service. I'm as close to being an elementary school teacher as you can get, I guess. So, Micah, while you have never served as a full-time installed pastor of a church, serving a church as a pastor is nothing new to you. You talked about it in your sermon. You served a stated supply in a small CP church down around Birmingham while you were going to college full-time. You're used to juggling many, many roles. You talked about that. I don't know why we're up here, because he did all of it. You know, just say the prayer and go home. My guess is... <laughs> This call, though, is going to be different than anything you've ever done in the past. There are many different roles that you're going to be called upon to fill in this particular congregation at this particular time. You're going to wear many different hats, and some of those hats are going to fit real snugly on your head. Some of those hats may not fit so well. It might be a little too big or a little too small. Some hats might make you think that you look a little awkward such as the life of a pastor who is called to serve in the church. Now, one hat that you already wear, and she wears it beautifully because I've heard her preach, is that of preacher-teacher, you're going to be uh, breaking the bread of life. That's a chef's hat. You you could or you could not, you know. (laughs) You will be bringing the bread of life as teacher-pastor to this congregation. You will spend lots of hours preparing for sermons and Bible studies, Friday night, redoing those sermons. You'll work hard to make sure that this flock clearly hears God's word and will be able to respond and react to that good news. Now, another hat that you're going to wear that's not that, it's a ball cap. As a preacher-teacher, you will also be worship leader in this congregation. That's a hat to be worn as you design and organize meaningful worship services where people are given the opportunity to encounter the divine presence of God through word and sacrament. You're going to wear this hat as you consecrate the sacraments for communion and baptism. Now, this is a really fun hat to wear. I don't, I don't know, but I have a hunch that you probably like that. But the reason that this hat is going to be fun to wear is because it's a ball cap, and it's a team cap, right? Worship is a team approach. You're not going to lead worship by yourself. Liturgy is the work of the people. You are all, your choir, the musicians, the people sitting in the pew will be part of wearing this cap. You're also going to be wearing the nice, snuggy uh, toboggan of pastoral care. <laughs> As an important 
cap. It's vital that you have that cap. It fits nice and warm and snug on your head. It's kind of like a comfort cap. Sometimes you're going to have to wear this cap even as you preach and teach with pastoral care. This uh, cap will get you up out of bed at 2 a.m. in the morning to meet a parishioner at the hospital in the emergency room. You're going to wear this cap at the graveside. This cap will be worn at the hospital as you meet a new church member that's just been born. You're going to wear this cap at the baptismal font. You're going to be wearing this cap as you find another kid, windmill kid on roller skates. You're going to be wearing this cap a lot. You will wear it as you celebrate births, as you counsel troubled people, as you walk through the various seasons of life of this flock. Make sure that it fits comfortably. Wear it often. Now, another hat you're going to wear is a fireman hat. That's the hat of the administrator. I'm not saying that you're going to be putting out fires. But what I am saying is if you don't wear the hat of an administrator, you might be putting out fires. (laughs) So you'll want to wear that cap whether it fits well or not. You're going to be serving as administrator of this congregation of the church session, moderating church session. As a multi-staff church, you will have to wear that hat. I encourage you not to just stuff this hat in your pastoral closet, but bring that cap out, and she's going to be serving with you all as an administrator. Now, the last hat I want to share with you is that of a party hat. And notice I have a pack of them. One hat that you're going to be wearing, and I couldn't really come up with a good word, is social outreach engager. Party hat. This hat will help you lead the flock outside of these four walls and into the community and world in service to the least of God's kingdom. You won't be wearing this hat alone, thank goodness, so I brought a whole pack for you to share, to give out to your members. A church cannot thrive and grow that does not get outside its four walls. I don't think you'll have any trouble wearing this hat. You've spent your whole life in missions and service to the hurting and least of God's kingdom, but the difference is now, there's a difference now, you are called to take others with you. You won't go alone now. It's not just about you and God. It's about you and this congregation that you have called to serve. So, pass out those party hats and pass them out often. Now, there's a lot more hats that you can wear, but we didn't have enough hands to juggle. Evangelism, encourager, shepherd, dreamer, it can be overwhelming. Some of the hats may not fit very well. The good news is that while some may be just for you, You will have help in wearing all of these hats. First of all, you'll receive the help from the Lord God Almighty, who called you to wear these hats in the first place. And secondly, the session of this church and the congregation will help you wear them. In fact, you all will wear them together on many occasions. Uh, Steve and Ed will help the congregation and the session learn a little bit about the hats they're going to be wearing. But I want to ask you about your willingness to wear all of these hats. Are you willing to assume the responsibilities as pastor of this church according to the agreements made in your acceptance of the call? Do you believe that in taking upon you these pastoral responsibilities, you are influenced 
by a sincere desire to promote the glory of God and the good of the church? Do you solemnly covenant that, in reliance upon the grace of God, you will endeavor faithfully to fulfill the responsibilities of pastor to the church, to preach and teach the word of God, to care for the sick, the troubled, the dying, and the bereaved, and to lead this church in its witness and ministry as God gives you wisdom and strength? I do. All right. I'll hold those for you. But I'll give them back to you. getting wired up. Seems like just a few weeks ago that I was uh, here asking the session questions again. And now then we have the opportunity to do that today. Where would a church be without a session? Have you ever thought about a church without a session? minister can do so much, but a session has a very special job. They're made up of different people with different talents, and that's a good thing, because the pastor can't be everywhere and do all things. The pastor many times needs help in various activities. Session is there to help her. I don't know what we'd do without sessions. Ministers go and come. I don't know how many churches I've been in, but the session's still there at all of those churches. And they continue to function. They continue to try to serve the people of God and provide them with nourishment challenging them and also doing is what they can using their talents. I thank you, the people of this church have selected wonderful people to serve as members of the session. I know a few of them myself and known them maybe for a few years. So I know that you've made some good decisions in selecting these people, and I believe that they will work with, with Micah here. So uh, session, this time, wherever you are, would you like to stand? Okay. This time I only have three questions. As the immediate representatives of the people, are you willing to share with the minister as your pastor in the government and leadership of the congregation? The Constitution identifies the session of a particular church as the minister in charge and the elders elected by the people. The session thus constituted is charged with a pastoral oversight of the congregation, are you, with the minister in charge, willing to share fully in the pastoral overship of this congregation? 
Do you covenant with the minister as your leader and pastor to share openly and fully with him or her about all the ministries of this particular church, praying for and with her, him, her, and encouraging her in this work with you? Are you? Yeah, yeah. Charge for the uh, congregation. Um, congregation of Gospel Cumberland Presbyterian Church, there are so many things that uh, could be said, but I'll try and keep it simple. First, Micah will now, uh, while now the duly installed pastor of this congregation, is not this congregation. As the scripture in Ephesians 4 says, the gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. Although Micah is very talented, she does not fulfill every gift and talent needed to do God's work. She needs your hands, hearts, and feet to breathe Christ into the world. She is tasked with helping you all live out your mission and ministry as the body of Christ, not to do it for you. Support Micah as she prays for you, leads you, and she strives to help you follow God's direction for this church. Second, expect change. Change is a scary word, which none of us likes very much, but change is what keeps us from withering on the vine. God is not done creating good works throughout this congregation, and so new things will happen. Rejoice. New ideas will be offered. Praise them. Remember that God, through Christ, is doing a new thing, and his mercies are new every morning. Third, honor your minister. Micah is tasked with caring for you, praying for you, and leading you. You are tasked with caring for her and praying for her as well. Ministry is never easy, and Micah will need your support in so many ways. Be attentive to her needs. Be aware of her weaknesses. Serve her as she serves you. May you love Micah, serve with her, and support her. May God bless your time together to the awakening and growth of the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. So congregation, are you willing to enter into the pastoral relation with this minister whom you have called to be your pastor? Do you covenant to encourage and assist her in the ministry which you share with her in this congregation? Do you covenant that through your stewardship and prayers you will continue the material and spiritual support by which she will be sustained in her ministry with you? So now I get to do the fun part. I now declare that the Reverend Micah Tank has been regularly called and installed as pastor of this congregation, agreeable to the word of God and according to the government of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. 
Therefore, Micah is entitled to all support, encouragement, and honor in the Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so now... But as I believe we've proven, you can't put a minister with a microphone without having them say more than a couple of words. And so I have a charge for you, Micah. Pretty sure you've already heard it today. All of the things that we've heard proclaimed, stated in this place are true, but the one that stands out the most to me is, as the Lord lives... Whatever the Lord says, that I will speak. You see, God chooses our direction in life, chooses the way we will walk and the paths we will take, and God chooses the battles we will fight, for they are not our battles, but God's. As Brian pointed out, this is God's story, and we're blessed to be a part of it, blessed to walk next to God's people, and figuring out their lives with them, and helping them see God, even in the darkest of moments. Micah, I want to remind you that this is not your church, although you will call it that. That this is not their church, although they will call it that. This is God's church, and the people within are God's people. You are called to love them and treasure them as a shepherd loves his sheep. Guide them, love them, protect them, correct them. For God admonishes you to speak the truth that God has given. May God bless you and this congregation. May God's spirit pour out upon you. May God's love pour forth from you. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Let us pray together. Lord God, we praise you in your sanctuary. We praise you for the relationship that you've brought together in Micah and this congregation. Lord, we ask your blessings upon it. God, that your glory might be seen through it. And that your kingdom might be increased through their joint efforts. Remind them and remind each of us, Lord, that you are God and you alone. And help them and us continue to seek to serve you and nothing else. We thank you for your graciousness, for your calling and for your uniting of this congregation with Micah. May all that they do be done for you. In the name of the Christ we pray. Amen.
In the Bible, there's a lovely refrain that goes like this, taste and see that the Lord is good. Have we not seen how good the Lord really is? So today, this afternoon, we are going to come forward and we are going to taste of that goodness. We are going to eat of the bread of life and drink of the cup of salvation and remember that we can taste and see that the Lord is good. In my life, in your life, in the life of this church and this congregation, in our own lives at home, taste and see that the Lord is good. Today we will be taking communion by intinction, which means you will step forward from your aisle, come down the center aisle, take a piece of bread, dip it into the cup of juice, eat it, and then go back to your seats using the side aisles. If you cannot get up for any reason to come and take of communion this afternoon, please stay seated. And at the end, I will make sure to come to anybody who's still seated um, once everybody has come forward and been served. With that said, would you join me in our great prayer of thanksgiving as it is written in your bulletins. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks for your goodness and faithfulness to us. We thank you for filling us with more of you. Here at this table, we tangibly remember that you fill us in ways we can't understand. You move in our hearts, in our lives, and in this church in ways where we can taste and see that you are good. Thank you for the gift of this meal to remember you, for it is indeed your story. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll invite the two who are helping with communion this morning. This table before me does not belong to me. It doesn't even belong to this church. This table is the Lord's table. And our God invites anyone, anyone who believes and trusts in him to come forward and to share in this meal which God has prepared for all of us. On the night of Jesus' arrest, he took bread. And after giving thanks to God, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, to his friends, and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup. He gave it to his disciples and said, This cup is the new covenant. Sealed in my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink of it, do this in remembrance of me. And every time that we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim the saving life of Jesus Christ until he comes again. Would you pray with me? 
Holy Spirit, it is you who comes down on these, the bread and the cup. You fill them with yourself. So, Lord, we ask that you would come, that you would fill this table with your presence and with your love, that you would take the bread and that you would take the cup and that you would bless them so that they might bless us and we might bless others. In Christ's name, amen. feast is now ready. Please come.
anyone else who's seated that needs to be served? Let us pray together. Lord God, we thank you for we can indeed taste and see that you are good. As you fill us with your goodness today, would you send us out of this place to proclaim that goodness to everyone that we meet. Lord God, we are so blessed and humbled and grateful. So we simply say, thank you. Thank you for all you have done. And it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand and join us in our closing hymn, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee, on page 20.
story but God's, so let us live that story well. Now may you go with the love of God, the grace of Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, both now and always. Amen.